Pizza? Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. you guys i cannot believe that it's already the holidays i mean pretty much after after uh halloween then you have thanksgiving and right after that everything just kind of speeds by and then we're gonna welcome a new year can you guys believe it yeah we're wrapping up like it's just like covid and then two years after covid but here we are right yeah still covid (laughs) right still covid but still covid but it's like yeah progressing But it's amazing how it's just a whirlwind and, you know, life just moves and goes by so fast. There's so much to look forward to and so much to look back on. And, you know, while it's been a bumpy ride for a lot of us, there's still so much to be thankful for. And in the end, as you guys all know, no matter how bumpy or rough it is, for some reason or other, things just always work out. They tend to... Mm -hmm. fall into place if you let it right if you let it and you know the reason why I'm starting off by saying this is because I kind of feel that way about our guest tonight you know our special guest Sarah Beppu she's a Kamehameha Schools graduate earned a Bachelor of Science in Nursing from Mount St. Mary's College in Los Angeles and is now a coordinator in quality management at Palimomi the mother of three created a blog called My Life in a Snow Globe which talks about navigating life with grief it was a form of therapy for Sarah to help her cope with the sudden passing of her husband Mark he was her friend her best friend they had known each other since the eighth grade and mark was just 39 years old when he suddenly passed away i'm going to stop right there because there's so much more to this story but first let's welcome to the mothership sarah beppu everybody welcome sarah Sarah. here we go thanks it's great to be here with you guys yeah let's tell everybody how i first met you which is actually at marino right because that's where you went before you went to kamehameha schools you're actually in my sister's class yes i was monica's classmate i was there from kindergarten through seventh grade so we had all of it together and i think i even danced ballet with mrs hall with you guys and all of that. <laughs> that's true yeah we have yeah. we have like some childhood memories and then over the years you know i would see you at uh like some some media events i think it was the um <laughs> food drive right the food drive the whole that um food bank hawaii food bank drive at mm. the uh, waterfront park um, we you did were that. in a pageant. Yeah, you represented. Yep. Yep. We saw each other at so much stuff. And it was always good because it's like every time we saw each other, it's like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. And it was just yep. like catching up. Yeah. And, and I then, even ran yeah. into Monica like randomly. And she was like, we caught, caught up in like no second flat. You know, it was great. 
I know. It's it's just so awesome, um, you know, to bump into you and also to keep in touch, uh, you know, through Facebook. And I remember seeing your posts and your pictures and, and your growing family. You're a mom of three. And yes. uh, such a happy family, too. And, you know, Mark was such a happy guy. He seemed to really, like, laid back. And you know, tell us a little bit about Mark. So he, um, I actually was actually really good friends with him from eighth grade. And the funny story was when we first, the, how we met was one of his, one of my girlfriends thought I would be really great with his best friend at the time. And <laughs> it never happened. Totally never happened. And he and I just stayed really good friends. Like we didn't actually start dating till after college. And when you're 20 and you think 27, it seems really old. Like we made a pact where like, well, if neither one of us gets married by the time we're like 27, 28, we should just marry each other. Um, and it didn't happen because we started dating right out of college. But yeah, he's super happy-go-lucky guy. Like I think most things people remember about him is his gigantic smile because he always had like a huge smile. And I said it was the most expensive smile because he had braces twice. Um, and the second time we had to pay for it. So... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he was kind of, he was laid back for most things. Mm -hmm. But I think if anybody ever worked with him, they would knew, know he was super type A. Um, deadlines, every project better have come in on budget, on time, and everybody better have done their job. And he kind of ran home the same way. But mm -hmm. still made time for like family, friends, same way. Like if you came into our house, you were a friend. By the time you left, you were family, you know? So it was just kind of how we grew up and that's how we ran our household. Yeah, and I just remember seeing you guys together and um, suddenly he had some sort of a health complication that came up. He did. Nothing stops you dead in your tracks quicker than getting a text of, where's our health insurance cards? And I'm like, huh? And I was, at the time I was working at Kaplani. Um, we were getting ready to open the brand new ER there and I was in the meetings for that. And he just said he had a stomach ache. Um, he worked a lot, like a lot of his time was at work, but he went to the hospital for his stomach ache. And they just, next thing I know, he's like, well, they told me I gotta stay. Um, if my EKG is different than the last time, then we gotta look. And sure enough, his EKG had changed. And the next call I get is from a cardiologist saying, we gotta run him in to the cath lab. And when I got there, I had found out he had had nearly 200% blockages in his heart, but they thought everything would be fine. So that was a Friday. By the next Friday, I had woken up to him literally just gasping for air. And as a healthcare provider, I have done CPR before, but nothing prepared me to have to do CPR on him. So I had to do... As a mom too, I, I mean, we had a bed that was high up off the ground and I, you know, but like, you know, when you're, when you do a job every day, you know what you're supposed to do when you're in that situation. I totally remember arguing with the 911 operator about, um, she's like, does he have a pulse? I'm like, yeah, he does. And then I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't. And she's like, we gotta start CPR. And she's like, you gotta get him out of the bed. I'm like, I can't get him out of the bed. He was like five, eight, over 200 pounds. I'm like, I can't, so I had to actually run to the other room and ask my daughter to help me pull him to the ground so I could start a CPR. And I have to give a shout out to every 911 operator out there. They're amazing. 
because she, I just remember there's like, you go through these things um, and I just remember her counting. She was counting out the CPR for me. And she, at the same time she was counting, she's like, Sarah, the, the fire trucks are pulling right up to the front of your house. Now they're gonna be coming up your driveway. They're coming up your stairs. And I just remember them seeing them turn. And that's when it's like, it struck me again. And I went back into nurse mode and I'm like, you have a 39 year old Asian male, status post five stent, newly diagnosed diabetic, just stopped and I, and I kind of just sat back. But at the time our house was so skinny, like that, um, the walkway, and they pulled him out. They actually said, you know, they had a pulse. And I remember hearing that and I was like, oh, thank God. The CPR worked. And then they're like, we just lost it again. But I got stuck there. And so for the next 25 minutes, I watched his code in our house. And it was, mm -hmm. it was a moment that you never forget. It's a moment that everybody is strong, but you do, you have PTSD, like working where I worked too, I had a hard time. Like I remembered the exact license plate of the ambulance. And we lived so close to the fire station in Hawaii Kai at the time, I would almost cringe every time I heard it drive by our house. And it goes by frequently, you know? Um, but it was also like a defining moment. I think it gave me a different why. Um, it gave me a why in healthcare, which kind of totally altered my job path and how I ended up as a coordinator in quality management. I worked as a labor and delivery nurse for many years and went off the floor into like an IT position um, to have a better family time. Um, instead of missing every other weekend, I would be home every weekend. And then Mark had passed literally two months after I got that job. Um, but it made my why of wanting to work in quality management so much stronger because it's like now you want to prevent other families to ever have to go through what we went through, you know? Yeah. So that moment, you don't forget it. You remember every smell. You remember every look. You remember every sound. Um, and I'll never forget. And the, the part that I'm grateful for was my friend has a husband who is an intensivist. They came and he actually was the person who was on call at the hospital when they got Mark. But I will also never forget the look on his face when he had to come out and say, we're so sorry, Sarah, we lost him. And I will never forget the look on his face at the funeral, which was more of a celebration of life. We turned it into a party, but I had to sit down and talk with him. And I was like, you know, you guys went above and beyond anything you could have even done. And I thank you. I thank you to know that there was somebody in that room at that time that he knew. That, you know, it was like trying to then find the positives out of a very negative situation. Yeah, because Sarah, I remember, um, you know, following along that scary mm -hmm. time and um, you're keeping all of your friends posted and, it just seemed like the day before, weren't you guys together looking at like um, models of hearts and the valves and learning about, you know, prevention, yeah. prevention and, and learning about this, this health complication that he encountered that both of you weren't really aware about and, and then starting to educate yourselves and only getting a grasp of it, but not really mm -hmm. realizing that. That was the last time. I mean, that I think that's what 
struck me so hard is you guys were just together, kind of almost yeah. doing taking a sigh of relief that you know, mm-hmm. thank goodness, Mark is out of the hospital, and now we're just going to learn now more about you know ways to prevent this. Right? weren't weren't you guys just looking at those heart? We were. We were actually because we didn't know he was diabetic. Um, we did not know any idea he had, you know, a heart condition like that. And we were actually um, ready to do the Ornish program. We started, we did all his signups and everything for the Ornish program and we're totally ready for that. And so everything was changing our diets. Like we were so prepared to go vegetarian. We were all in 1 million percent, whatever it took we were going to do. Um, so it did catch us off guard, but I, you know, it's, people always will tell each other and we always hear like, tomorrow's never promised to you. Like you got to always do. And that totally was the hugest tomorrow's never promised. Like tomorrow morning isn't even promised, you know? And the blessing that came about that was there were so many people who were on the fence about, should I get my physical? Should I do this? Should I do that? Because we were all of that age where we don't do physicals anymore. And so many people became so much healthier. Like, you know, I've had a couple of friends and they're like, I hope you don't take this wrong, but I want to thank you for giving me back my husband. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, part of me would be like, and at first I would be like, I'm glad I could give you yours back. Like, you know, like mine is not here, but I'm glad yours is back. But they're like, he wasn't going to work out. He wasn't going to do this or that. And he did. And now he's healthy and we're doing this. And one of them was like, we were living two very separate lives. And after seeing how fragile life is and how it changes, when you think you're on the, you know, when you think you're out of the woods, it just made a lot of people stop and reevaluate out of our class. And, you know, Kamehameha is not known for their small classes. <laughs> and he was very well involved in community service at work, club soccer, um, autism society. And it just branched out like the ripple effect to see what that one person's life did was unbelievable. I remember his um, celebration of life at Hosoi was like over a thousand people. And the director came up to me and she's like, was your husband famous? I don't think I've seen this many people. And I was like, no, no. I mean, I'm like, I'm sure in his own mind, he might have been. But <laughs> um, it was just, I think it was great for the kids, though, to see like their soccer team showed up in all their gear. And that was the way she came to her desk, you know, in her soccer jersey. And that was the way it was supposed to be, you know, but it was a great outpouring of love and a great realization for so many. Did the kids feel like they had closure since it was so sudden or it, it that's where so grief is a horrible thing it comes in so many shapes and sizes it is like the best thing someone told me everyone was saying I'm sorry and I didn't understand it people would ask me what I needed and I'm like I need someone to literally tell me what I need like I don't know and she's like what happened to you sucked. It was the most catastrophic thing that's ever going to happen to you. And I was like, okay, finally somebody said something that made sense to me. Um, and she's like, it's going to come in tsunamis. Some days it's nothing. 
Other days you're going to smell something and you're going to bawl and you're not even going to understand why. And it's so incredibly true. And it's same for the kids. Um, he was raised in a way where you're very traditional and that you don't show emotion. You don't cry outside. You cry in your bedroom and you let it go. I was raised very opposite, very loud. You let everything out. You can tell everyone. So it was like very different. But each of them have gone through their grief in such incredible ways. Um, my oldest is autistic. He was very matter of fact. Like that was the first time I think I was ever a little jealous that he had autism and I didn't because he just made so much sense. Like he's like, well, your heart stops, you die, you go to heaven. Whereas my middle one was like, she just didn't get it. Her dad was her best friend. Um, she was devastated and my youngest was like only seven and she's like, it's not fair. Everybody else spent more time with him than I did and I don't get it. You know, and throughout the years, you realize what those pivotal moments mean. Like my son will cry and he's fine. My daughter, my middle daughter has gone through so much emotionally that's taken us to even have to be like admitted to inpatient psychiatric. Um, it was a moment that it just becomes this very dark spot that's very difficult for them to get out of, you know, from self-harm to even trying to not live um, and everything in between. We've, we've been through the gamut. We've lived it and we're still living it. And I don't think it goes away. Um, I had two absolutely amazing friends that we, like I said, we deal with loss at the hospital, so we see it. But they went ahead and made these amazing stuffed animals that had a little pocket in the back that we could put some of his ashes in an urn. So then they had dad if they needed to give a hug. Um, and then my other friend took all his shirts and she made each of them a quilt out of his shirts so that they always had that. And we went and did, um, they have urn jewelry, which when someone first mentions it, I was like, oh, like all I could think of was like, you know, when you had like the Angelina Jolie with the blood in the vial, I'm like that is so crazy. <laughs> We're not doing it. And then I just saw what it looked like. I'm like, oh my God, that looks like Tiffany's. Like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's like, we found stuff with the kids to always try to incorporate it so that they don't forget. And they always feel like he's there. But the grief is, it's never, it's never going to be completely gone. You know? Uh, how do you even approach that grief? Like, how did you start to even in the beginning? Um, I went with a recommendation of a friend and we had them start to see a therapist like within the first week to two weeks, um, just to let it out and just see and talk and Everything else after that literally would be as things came up because for the longest time, everything seemed okay. You know, and then we get the call that someone's not sleeping and she hasn't slept in like three days. And then it just started to snowball into this bigger thing that was like, okay, now we're chasing things. And what you thought was okay, it was like before, what we thought was okay wasn't. And it was just a reminder that, yeah, it's, it's not. You know, and I had to remind myself because you go into this survival mode after anything major that happens, you literally like I took one day to not want to get out of bed 
the grandparents took the kids. And on Saturday, I was like, okay, what do we got to do? What do I have to do now? Because before I had somebody I could bounce ideas off of. And now everything is literally just me. I didn't know passwords because he was IT. So it's not like even, it's not like he even put an easy password like Aloha. It was like, he had these, like you hold this shift button, you hold these many keys. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm locked out of everything, <laughs> you know? Um, but we just took it literally one day at a time, even one situation at a time. That's really all you can do. It, it just sounds like tremendous, like the mountain of, I mean, especially if you, I don't know if you guys divvied up the duties, you know, uh, if he takes yeah. care of the finances and, and mm -hmm. like, if you are all of a sudden thrust into there, like, where do you even know where to begin? Like, did you have professional help that you had to get in that area too? And did it take such a super long time for you to get a handle of everything and, and take over all his responsibilities? It, it was, and I will say the one thing about having been married to a planner was that when we were in our 20s, we had done like life insurance. And he was like, you know, you invest because you didn't, we didn't want to work forever. So we were trying to do a retirement and we, our investment, our tax planner was amazing because um, she was a personal friend too. And so when I told her that Mark had passed, I say, like, okay, so Katie, I need to, I need to look at everything. She goes, Sarah, I already pulled your file. We are ready. You know, and she goes, I said, okay. And it was like, just like, you go through this checklist and I like love my checklist, but it's like, I had to go from, you stay in survival mode until you know everything is okay. And then mm -hmm. you just crash. So the first things first was like, okay, checklist is mortuary. Okay. And then I remember sitting in Hosoi and I was like bawling. Cause I'm like, you know, we were talking about what high school Dylan's gonna go to. We weren't talking about, are you gonna cremate or bury? And what, you know, like that's not a conversation you have. And I just started bawling. And I remember laughing at, at one point and the lady's looking at me and she's like, and I go, I'm so sorry. Like, it's like all the Japanese people probably come to Hosoi and so quiet and all the all Portuguese go next door like, to voice me. Cause she's just like, uh, okay. Like she didn't know what to do with me. Um, but that checklist went off and then we went to my financial planner and she's just like, we got this, this, and this. We didn't have a will or a trust. We didn't like we didn't, but we did have life insurance and everything. She had our entire financial things there. So I was, that is truly what kept me afloat. And she just, I know the biggest relief for me was when she said, you can go home, Sarah, and you can tell the babies that they're not going to have to switch schools, that you're not going to have to move. You're going to be able to stay in the house and it's going to be okay from that standpoint. And so when I knew that was checked off, it's like, then you go to the next thing and then the next thing. And then once, you know, everybody is going to be okay physically, then you finally let yourself kind of go through the next phase of grief. So does that include like the fear of, oh my God, I'm a single parent now. Can I take care of all three of them financially? Is that kind of what you yeah. just now? Yeah, it did. Cause I would just say, I mean, I know it's kind of like when you, okay. So when you have a kid and you have one, like, I remember when the reason we moved back. So we lived in California for a while. When we had like one kid, we're like, okay, it's two against one. We got this. 
And then when we had two kids, he's like, time to move home. We're like on man-on-man defense. We're going to have to go to zone defense once we're outnumbered, you know? <laughs> and it's that feeling like when you look back in the car mirror and you're like, oh my God, where'd they all come from? And now I'm responsible for all of them. Um, I went through that because if they're having a bad day, if the doctor's like, Sarah, we're going to need to do this, I would always have somebody to call. I would always have that second person to like bounce the idea off. And like all of a sudden now I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just me. And even though you have aunties, uncles, grandparents, at the end of any situation, that responsibility really only falls on you. So it was me looking at the kids and I remember telling them one day, I said, look, mom's going to mess up. I mean, every parent's going to mess up, but I'm going to let you know, I'm going to mess up extra hard right now. (laughs) And we're going to survive it. And if you don't like me some days, that's fine. (laughs) But we're going to just get through this. And I don't know how we're going to get through this, but we're going to make it work. But it was just brutal honesty. You had to be brutally honest all the time. (laughs) Sarah, how did you, because I'm on a courage and just listening to you because of the strength I just I can feel and hear and I know it's been a journey but do you have any advice or just um for people people listening that might be going through just that beginning or even middle stage and I know it's different everyone handles Mm -hmm. it differently and goes to a different journey right grief is very personal but do you have any advice and even for people who are trying to support a close friend or family member that's going through it what's what's the best way to help and how do you navigate? Let them talk. Like, don't ask them, oh, what do you need? Because truly, they don't know. You don't know. And like, um, my coworkers set up a meal train, which was the best invention ever. So we had food for days. We laughed because we had so many fruit, bu- fruit bouquets that pretty soon my children were like, why is it people give you fruit <laughs> when people die? Like, we were freezing fruit forever making smoothies. But I think the biggest thing is just um, don't be afraid to talk to people. Like people, and that's kind of how I got the title of my blog was my life in a snow globe is because I felt like everyone was just watching to see what you would do next, to see how the kids would do, to kind of be judging like, well, why is she doing that like that? Or why, why aren't they seeming more sad when the reality is you put on a tough face to go outside Like I would be able to hold it together at work long enough to sit in my car and driving down that parking structure at Kapiolani, I would lose it and I would just ball, but I kept it together long enough to get there. And to someone going through it, it's like, don't don't let anybody tell you what's right or what's wrong. Trust Mm -hmm. your gut instinct and go with it. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna have great days. You're gonna have horrible days. Um, Just what you have to learn is to be resilient and you'll learn each of us have that resilience. We do. It's a muscle though. I'm convinced resilience is a muscle that you work it and you build it. It doesn't just, some people don't have more than others because it's a muscle that you have to practice using. Um, And truly Mm -hmm. until you're put into a situation, you really don't know what strength, like everyone's like, if you had told me five years ago, that I was gonna be strong or anything, I would have been like, you're crazy. If Mark wasn't here, I would just curl into a ball and never leave my room. 
but you don't know how strong you are until really that's your only option, you know? Mm -hmm. And you don't always have the strong days. You can ask my kids, there's some days like I'll just hear one thing and I'm like, no, no, no. Everybody, mom's checked out. My brain is not talking to anyone. Um, just go away. <laughs> and it's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. So it seems like a big piece of the puzzle and your main priority after his passing was whether the family was going to be okay, whether everybody was going to be taken care of. You went through the financials and you know, to you, finding another person, that was later on down the road. But backing up, did you or Mark ever have that conversation? And I know it's like a weird question, but, you know, sometimes when you're with, you know, your significant other, sometimes you just like talk about weird random things. And did that ever come up? We did. Like we would jokingly have this conversation and he's like, well, if you go, I'm going to get myself like a hot da 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 And I'm like, you do it. I'm going to haunt you every day for the rest oh, of your gosh. life. You know, like, like that. And then it would just, but it would be like so joking. But like, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, this man, like, it was weird. We, we literally started out as friends, like. It, the love grew from friendship. I never, ever thought I would marry him back in high school. There was no way. I was like, he's too much of a player. We're not, no. Um, <laughs> but the thought of like losing everything, literally overnight, everything, I could not fathom ever, ever loving anybody in that way again. I just couldn't. I was just like, it was a fairy tale which not, I mean, you think of all fairy tales, they all have a lot of, they're not perfect. But I was like, this is as close to a fairy tale as I think we could get. And it's never going to happen again. You know? And so, no, I didn't. Not but at all. did you allow yourself to? <sighs> um, I think when it just felt right, like I remember going out in a group one night and I was just like, okay, everybody's doing their thing and I don't feel guilty. And I just felt like going out to dinner wouldn't be so bad. And I remember some people were like, oh, you're going out already. And then I would have other people that were like, oh, my friend started dating right away. And they got married like within like a year. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like take <laughs> slow the row. Like we're not looking for any of that. Um, and I will say dating, dating in your 40s, because it was like, right, I was 40s, is so not easy. I kept joking that everybody comes with baggage, but I want the person with the carry-on baggage, not the excess luggage, <laughs> you know? And so I was like, that's what we're going for. And then I was like, ooh, I don't know what kind of pool we just got ourselves into, but this dating pool is filled with a lot of floaters. Um, so <laughs> we kept, like, it was just like, whoa. And then I was like, joke, I'd be like, well, I think we could start a book series about, like, like, like almost like a Dr. Seuss series, like what comes out of the woodwork, the characters that live in the woodwork, like in the dating world, you know? And you find when you date a widow, it's so different than dating a divorcee. Because a divorcee, it's like they're dealing with things that are still there. And they're like kind of coming out of a situation. Like a divorce is totally, it is like a death. I'm convinced. I've talked to so many people and it is. But they're coming out of a situation where it was like, they just didn't, it, for some reason it didn't work. And when you date a widow, it's like they're coming out of a situation that they never wanted to leave. Mm. They didn't expect to leave. It wasn't their choice or anything. 
And so it's not like you have disdain for this person you left. Like you still love them very much, but they're just not there, you know? So it's a lot of, it's a hard thing. I think almost, I would say 100% of the people I've dated have a hard time going through that. And then you realize it's like a child. Um, it's not that you love one more than the other. And it's not that one replaces the other. It's just that your heart learns to grow, that it has more room. And then, so I always say to the positives of dating a widow is that you are so used to what can go away in an instant that you are very, very aware of not, of trying not to go to bed angry, of trying to make sure you get that last hug or kiss when you walk out the door, of, just those little moments, like I would get so irritated with Mark when he would call me on my way in his way home. Cause I'd be at home with the kids and he'd be leaving work late going, Hey, um, I'm on my way home. Just wanted to say, hi, do you need anything? I'm like, yeah, I told, I need you to just come home. Like they're going <laughs> crazy. Like I need backup. And I would be so irritated. Little did I realize how amazing those 20 second conversations would be. Like, Sometimes it would be like, I'm like, I'm letting it go to voicemail because I just don't want to deal. And I'm so thankful I let some of them go to voicemail. So we ended up with my friend. I think you probably know her too, Kim Wheeler. She's a Marino grad. She was like, um, she kept, oh my gosh, she was amazing. She stayed by my side so many hours. Like she did not leave. And we finally decided like, so Mark passed away on the 22nd. And those 20 second conversations, I remember telling her, I said, I totally feel bad that I would not answer the phone some days. And so she's like, let's take it back. And I said, what do you mean let's take it back? She'll read me the 20 seconds, which was like the conversation like length on the 22nd of every month. So we're like, do you take 20 seconds every 22nd of the month to just tell someone how much you appreciate them? To just tell, like, tell your kids, tell your spouse, tell your significant other how much you love them. And learn to not take those little things for granted. It's beautiful. I love that. So you yeah. probably had to get, um, you know, the approval or, or sought some sort of a <laughs> comfort or agreeance from the kids to kind of feel their temperature on, hey, mom's going to get serious. He Yes and no. I mean, you you do, but then you also have to remember that they're not going to live with you for forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard to imagine that when they're so small. But you also have to know that what makes you a better parent is making sure you're good for you. Mm. So if I felt worn down or I felt like I just needed my time, like they had to understand that. And I wouldn't, it's not like I would date somebody and be like, hey, mom's going on a date and this is him. And like introduce them. Like they had to earn their way into being introduced to the kids. And sometimes like they were, my kids were so sweet. I, if I would like go out with somebody and it didn't work out, they're like, great mom, we don't like them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Awesome. And I laugh because in this last one, which is like the most amazing one, which is why he's the fiance. Now they're like, mom, don't mess this one up. We like him. <laughs> oh, tell us about him. Oh my goodness. It's easy <laughs> to talk about Dave. It's so easy. Um, 
like all things in this day and age, we actually met on Instagram via a mutual friend. And it was like, he's like, well, I want everybody to know I found you. And I was like, okay, you did. And so we started dating during COVID, which is difficult in itself, but it was good because you were forced to talk to each other. Like you couldn't go to the movies, you know, you couldn't do a lot of things. And it was like, we did come from very different situations and it was a lot of learning and a lot of growing. And what was so cool about James is that he was never un super uncomfortable when the kids brought up Mark. Like he just didn't really know how to handle it at first, but the more like we would talk about it, it would just be like, okay, okay. So much so that when we did get engaged, which was actually just this past September, he asked Mark's parents for my hand. Mm. Were they which, surprised? They were so touched because it was like, they knew that this person coming into their grandchildren's life was never going to replace their dad, but he was going to care and love them like the, like Mark would have, you know? And it was like hearing it from his mouth to them. And so to me, when he told me he had asked them, I was like, holy smokes, like that is amazeballs. Like I didn't, I didn't even know what to say at first. And it was, it was like, you know, that's when I'm like, those fairy tales do happen twice, you know? And you don't know what your story is supposed to be and what chapters it's gonna have, but not every book has a good chapter. Some chapters you'd really like to cut out of the book and skip, <laughs> but you can't, you know? Um, but with James, it was, I, there's no other way to describe it other than it was like, almost like God and Mark said, here is the second path that you're gonna go down. And this is the path that you're meant to be on now. Did you feel like you, you know, in the beginning where I said, you know, sometimes if you just let it and you allow it and embrace it and allow it to happen, did you feel like any of that is something that you had to do for yourself? I, I did because when you start to date, you start to think everything was like the 20s and it's not. And then every time your heart breaks, you're like, we're not doing this again. No more first dates. So much so that I almost had a dating hierarchy. Like, no, we can only go out for like an alcoholic beverage. And the reason I thought about them, like, because number one, if I don't like you, we could drink it fast and then it's going to not hurt. And then we can go. If you were really good and I thought you might be okay, then maybe hot drinks because you wouldn't get burned if you try to drink that fast. <laughs> if it was really, really good, then, okay, we can eat. Cause then you wouldn't have to dig out before like the food came, you know? So it was like this hierarchy. Um, but I really didn't have many people who made it past any food because it was like, you were just, your heart would just break. And I remember seeing, um, somebody had sent me something after I had, and when you read the blog, you'll actually see when I was okay dating. And when I was like, oh, not today, um, but there was this thing that somebody sent, and I want to say it's called Kinsuji. 
where's that Japanese pottery that when they purposely break it, they put it back together with the gold so that there's more beauty in the pottery. And somebody sent that and I realized once you start to date and you find that person, it's like that because you've been broken so many times that you think you are broken, you're used, there's nothing about you anybody could want because you come with all this baggage, you come with this situation, and it really just takes one person to make you feel like they've filled those gold flakes where there actually is more beauty in your story at the end of it because of what you went through, where that scar is now not just like, I need to put a lot of concealer on it, but that scar is there because that's the witness to everything you've been through. You know, so that's that's exactly what James did. Congratulations. Thank you. That's beautiful, that's yeah. So beautiful. Beautiful. I think because you're you're always you're probably open to to that stuff too. You know, like it's not I mean, a lot of people going through what you went through, it's it's not easy, but no, you kept your heart and your mind open to whatever may come. So I think it, yeah, it came to you in a good way, right? Yeah, it, it, it did. I mean, you, like you said, you go through those good days, you go through the bad days. It was no, there was nothing perfect in that journey by any means, mm. um, believe me. Um, but when you're ready, you open up and it's, a lot of it was reading and a lot of it was just having to realize that like poor thing James had so many barriers that he had to help me bring down that I, I just was not ready but he was very patient and he did it and it was having to be open like um what was it like the law of attraction right people say whatever you start to put out into the universe you're going to bring back so it was wanting that happiness again it was knowing that I, even though the children, like I'm 43 now, the children are like, oh my God, you're so old. But knowing, no, you're not. Like at 43, there's still so much life to live and you don't want to do it by yourself. You know, like it's okay to start over. And the beautiful thing about starting over at 43 is you know what you're going to put up with. You know what you don't want to put up with and you're okay to say no. Like you're just like, I don't, need you to bring anything like I don't need to know what you bring because I brought the table I don't need mm. to know what you bring to the table I brought my table so I don't need you to bring me a table like I just need you to be you and just be genuine don't waste my time yeah yeah like, oh, don't, into this don't you don't you don't got time <laughs> yeah right? time's a commodity like now for us right yeah and then much less like less less weight or less um weight given to like people pleasing and what are people these guys gonna think and how do I make sure these guys stay happy? Like, much less of that, right? At, mm -hmm. at, in our 40s, I think it's it's, it's a nice thing to be like way more clarity and just way more, I think, strength in like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna, that's not that's not gonna work for me, or that's that's what I want, you know. So definitely less of the worrying about what everyone else thinks, I think. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's like people are always going to have an opinion. I mean, you you know, I mean, just look at social media, like just read the comments, you know, everyone has an opinion, but it's a matter of what opinions you're going to allow into your life. And it's, 
I, I now laugh because I'm like, if I cut people out of my life, it's probably like I read somewhere, I'm like, yeah, it's probably because you handed me the scissors that allowed me to do so because I was not mm-hmm. ready for it. Mm-hmm. Ouch. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, sure that, but you get to be that way and it's okay because you become very protective of your sanity, of your positivity, of what... And I'm not saying you're going to be positive all the time. By, by no... I mean, ask James today. I was so That was so not me this afternoon. But... It's learning, it's trying to get yourself out of it instead of stay in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's just being yeah. honest and more truthful. Yeah. Because you mm-hmm. know what you want. So why waste time? You know, if it's not there, it's not there. If it is there, then that's, you know, the courage that you embrace yeah. to go for it. Yeah. And, and I'm glad yeah. that, that, sure. that that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. I'm glad that's that it all worked out for you and everything did fall into place and that this is a, a fairy tale. It's a beautiful fairy tale. And thanks for sharing that with us, Sarah. But, you know, as always, we like to end our, our podcast with an inspirational quote. And I know you have one for us to share. Oh, my goodness. OK, I'm going to have to because it's kind of long. So if you don't see me for a split second, well, you oh, have okay. to, like, I was where'd you go? What where'd you go? Sarah disappeared on this podcast. <laughs> She just okay. disappeared. <laughs> I just disappeared, but you'll read it. Okay, so it's okay. actually be thankful for the struggles you go through. They make you stronger, wiser, and humble. Don't let them break you. Let them make you. And mm. it's true. We're going to go through those struggles. You want them to humble you because you don't want to think you have it together all the time. Because if you do, you're so taught that you're going to break when that you hit that resistance. So you want the struggles to humble you, but you also want to build and grow from them. Like, I don't wish that on anybody, what we went through, but I also know that I am who I am today and I am who I am in my job and as a mom because of it. And I can't change my story, but I can figure out my ending. Mm -hmm. Like I can't have any choice over what happened to me it happened that was beyond my control but i need to have some amount of control over how i deal with it and what i do with it amen oh, wow. <laughs> amen wow. oh, oh my gosh. gosh so good that's spoken like the true word yeah right there i mean <laughs> man you were um you were definitely it, it's, it's it's so hard to say that it's a beautiful thing that it happened to you because that's not really a beautiful thing but i guess the transformation <laughs> is more so what uh you know is the beautiful thing you know how and who you are today you're so right by saying that. And I feel like, you know, talking with you on this podcast, it was such a learning and growing experience for me because I felt like I was wearing another person's glasses and, you know, learning new things. And, and like, yeah, you hear about it, but you don't really, like, I felt like I lived through, you know, your life during those periods. And gosh, Sarah, I mean, it's definitely so life-changing and eye-opening, uh, everything that you shared with us. And just, Thank you so much. I think it, it's a lot of useful information for our listeners out there or people who are going through it. And um, you are such a good positive role model in sharing what you went through. And I'm so glad that everything's worked out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, beyond yeah. powerful, man. That yeah. Your story is just like beyond like when you think you can't do something, you can do it, and you, 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 your story just proves that. 
you just gotta believe it and just I mean I don't know how you're 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 young you're you're beautiful you're strong and you know you. you've been through you've been through the works but look at you like that's amazing amazing so thank you for sharing your story it gives us hope yeah I think you just have to realize there's no there's no perfect image there's no perfect life but in every and I will always tell my kids, as I said, and even in the worst day you've ever had, there's going to be beauty in something in that day if you find it. And you have to look for it. And some days it's, it feels like it's impossible to find or to see, but those are the days you really need to work harder to find it. Um, and those are the moments that, that keep you going because you are going to have those moments where you just don't want to move. And that's fine too, but you cannot stay there. It's powerful. And thank I, to thank you so much because I, I love that was sticking with me too is just what you're saying about it's so important, such a lesson to learn that resiliency is a muscle, um, like a lot of things, right? And you, so you really don't know how strong you are until you need to, to do certain things and just deal with hardship. And But just, just how you're modeling it for your children and talking to us and sharing it here, it helps other listening who might be struggling with something or some kind of right grief comes in all mm -hmm. forms and it, it's, exactly. it's it's a lot of different situations too but just um to see your light and how you talk speak about it so eloquently and how you have the blog which is some form of therapy for you too and for other people you know this appreciate authenticity and, and just how you are able to share and be vulnerable and that's that's such a gift to all of us and I think of you I, I keep thinking of you like in we're talking about but just how the buildings are built there and just they're so strong and beautiful and architectural but they're also built to withstand huge earthquakes right mm -hmm. so there's you know there that you to be strong you also need to move sometimes with things that you can't control and i, I think of you when i when you're talking i'm like wow you're like those buildings are just it's kind of this mix of like really strong and powerful but also flexible and real and understanding that you need to you control the things you can but also need to move with things and with the flow right it's you know you have a choice but there's also things that you need to just be able to go with and have perspective on so thank yeah. you just it's so enlightening I'm gonna um, chime in again because I, I think you really filled a lot of people with hope too. Because mm -hmm. I think hope, you know, yes. yeah, I think um, you know, hearing your situation, it's devastating, and losing uh, your partner, your lover, your husband, your best friend, the father of your children, and then all of a sudden you're thrust into a new reality that you never thought you would be in as like a single mom of three. How are you gonna make it happen? But yet, you know, through it all, Sarah, you really have an open mind and, and you keep things in perspective. And I think that's kind of key here, too. And I, I think a lot of our listeners can apply this to whatever challenges that they're facing in life, uh, not necessarily grief, but any particular obstacle. But it, it is all about how you perceive things. Right. And, and, and your attitude, like if you think that this is going to be super challenging or you don't think it's going to get better, then it's not. But if you you know, continue to move along with the rough currents and see how far it goes. And, and like you said, ask for help and let your heart expand and be open to whatever comes your way. I think 
that is really key. I mean, it's all about, you know, perspective and your attitude. Mm -hmm. And in in this case, it, it really carried you really forward, you know. And I love that you and your children have such a close bond that I feel like you guys are one unit, even after Mark, you know, that, that maybe brought you guys closer. And it's just such a beautiful thing. I could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I no just, just really thank you for really mm-hmm. sharing us, you know, with us this gift of knowledge and, and your experience. And you're really brave, Sarah. You're really brave and just keep Amen. on going and, and you know, keep on doing what you're doing and, and spreading that light because it's beautiful. And we're all like, you know, better because of what you shared with us. Thank you. And it's, mm-hmm. I have to give a lot of props to the support systems around me too, because uh, like you said, on those days when you just feel like you can't go, it's, it's other people who help pick you up and keep you reminding you. And like with the kids and I, we, we get through our fights. We get through the days where I am public enemy number one to all of them. Um, but it's knowing that nothing, nothing is off limits. You know, it's mm-hmm. keeping that open communication. It's it's acknowledging that I'm not expecting you to be perfect, like, but don't expect me to be perfect. It's acknowledging that we're all going to mess up because um, we do it on the daily. And what are you going to do with it? And how are you going to just move through it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your your kids are lucky, are blessed to have you as their mama. And how can oh. other people follow you? And how can people like follow your, your journey? Yeah, your blog. Um, can you can you? T- yeah. So the blog is actually, it's www.my-life. Oh my gosh, Steph, I totally have to think of it. Well, well, they can Google it, right? And then it'll probably come up. Yeah, it's called My Life in a Snow Globe. It is called My Life in a Snow Globe. And um, you'll know it when you see it because I actually have a picture of a snow globe out by Makapu'u. Um, so that, cause that was one of the things we did is we, um, I wanted the children to have a place they could go on their own to kind of feel like they were with their dad. So we have a lovely niche in Nuuanu where he's officially kind of buried. Um, but we also took some of his ashes and they have these beautiful paper mache turtles that you can write messages on and you put it and the turtle floats out to sea and slowly dissolves and sinks. And it's all earth friendly cause it came from the mortuary. But uh, we took a picture of the snow globe with a lay out there. Um, so you'll know you're on the right one too when you see that. Or I will definitely send the link. Um, it's it's also like it's on my Instagram where it's on my main page on my Instagram as well. And, and, and what's, what's your, your handle? Yeah. Oh, it's actually Sarah Noilani 808. Sarah Noilani. Hey. Yeah, we, we have to put the Hawaiian in there. Hello. Come on, huh? No, Good stuff. You got it. Like, yeah, follow her. And like, if you need advice or just support, that's, this is great. It is. It was a lot of, and it's a lot of women. It's so weird too. Um, The best advice I ever got was from the people who slowly were already a part of that club you never want to be a part of. You know, like the bad girls those, club. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. Um, no, but it was like it was the widows club. And at first, I was like, oh, I hate checking that box. Like that's such a horrible word. And being around other women who've gone through the same thing, it was like I realized I was not a bad box. It's actually like it's a box that shows there was something that was there. There was a pride behind living mm-hmm. that life, and there's a pride behind being a widow, knowing you've lived that life. 
So um, those, uh, the people who, I'm so unfortunate, I've known so many amazing women who have since had the term widow attached to their names. And it's almost like an unspoken in the back end, everyone's messaging each other. How are you? Here's anything. If you need something, you let me know when you're ready or I'll check back in in this time. And if you need anything, I'm just like, I know I'm never going to completely understand what you're going through, but I've been in a similar road and can just be there to listen. And thank you for being there. I know there's a lot of people out there that may not be ready to reach out, but hopefully they get the courage to reach out to you, hearing your story and listening to your, your supportive, comforting um, personality. Like, yeah, hopefully they reach out to you. because I'll think, be there, don't yeah. you know? I know Thank you. You know, yeah. yeah. Thank you for being there for people mm -hmm. who, you know, don't don't want to even acknowledge that they need to be there. But hey, there's Sarah out there for you guys. So thank you, Sarah, <laughs> yeah. for being on Mothership. We appreciate there. you. She, she's there. out there. There's We're there's there. people out there to help you. And um, you know, we could all use a little bit of that aloha and love and support. So Thank you for being there, Sarah. Sorry, we're getting goofy because that's how we get when our hearts are filled with love. Yeah, so much love <laughs> like, for you. You know, like, yeah. we're not serious in this house. Like, serious does not belong in this house. You're yeah. good. Let's live life. Yeah, let's live, live life. Life is hard. Let's, let's, yeah, let's stay together to on this. Fun. You do. All you do. right. Everybody, thank you so much, thank you so much Sarah Beppu, yes, for being on the mothership, sharing us her journey and touching us support. with her love and words of wisdom. Yes. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Sarah. And to everybody ah, else out there, yes, yeah, stay strong, open your minds and your hearts, and it's all about perspective. Let's try to have a good positive attitude, right? Sarah, anything else you want to add? It's okay to not be perfect, but just mm. keep on going. There you go. <laughs> yep. Love it. Love it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. We will Good see stuff. you next week. Until then, please take care, everybody, and stay safe. Love you. Lots of love. Lots of love. Love, love, guys. love you guys. Yes, we're going to break up and die.